Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. And here we go again. Environment Canada issuing winter storm and snowfall warnings this morning with the Fraser Valley getting slammed once again. Jill Bennett is in Abbotsford tonight suffering through the worst of it. Jill? Chris, the freezing rain isn't quite as bad as it was about an hour ago. I can actually keep my eyes open when talking to you guys this time, but it is still treacherous conditions as people make their way home, both here in Abbotsford, and it gets worse as you or worse than this as you head east. In just a couple of hours, it went from bare roads to traffic barely moving on Highway 1 between Abbotsford and Chilliwack. Residents of the Fraser Valley and East were warned the snow was coming and that it did. At this truck stop in Hope, some drivers happy to arrive after coming down the Coquihalla. It's just awful. There shouldn't be anybody out. They're putting emergency responders in danger, eh? They shouldn't be doing that. No, it's freezing rain. You know, if it's bad enough, you pull over. That's all you can do. For some drivers, pulling over was something they did, whether they wanted to or not. Long after the snow started to fall and stick, there were cars losing control, while others slowed right down. It's taken me about an hour longer than it normally takes to get back to the snow, actually. Snow tires are a must here. This isn't the first major blast of winter to hit the Fraser Valley this year. And while it's not welcomed by everyone, many were prepared. You having fun? Oh. Were you anticipating this? Yes. This time it appears that people are using caution, slowing down. They are, uh, I guess after the ice storm and summers are a snowfall warning, people are heeding cautions. But with slushy, slippery roads and poor visibility, those who don't need to be on the roads are once again being advised to wait the storm out. And just to give you an idea of how treacherous the roads are, just two hours ago in the stretch of Highway 1 between Abbotsford and Chilliwack, our crews saw three separate accidents where people had lost control. They'd spun out and gone into the ditch beside the highway. And again, the freezing rain here, not as bad. However, there are still very icy conditions on the roads as people make their way home or anywhere tonight. To keep that in mind, it is a wallop of a winter blast. Chris? No doubt when you've got truckers telling it like it is, you know it's bad. Thanks, Jill. Get inside and warm up as quickly as you can. We'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon right now to see how the weather is going to develop into tonight. Christy? Thanks, Chris. Metro Vancouver could see some wet snow over higher terrain, but really this evening's main concern will continue to be the Fraser Valley where Jill is. Conditions are going to be slick. So freezing rain will continue near Abbotsford. Uh, Chilliwack and Hope will see heavy snow up to about 10 centimeters possible, but then overnight conditions get worse for these areas east of Abbotsford through Chilliwack where the freezing rain will continue into tomorrow morning. When I come back, your morning commute across all areas, Chris. All right, sounds good. Thanks very much, Christy. And before we complain too much, a reality check from Prince George, where residents are probably laughing at us.
I've got four layers on, long johns, three pairs of socks. They woke up to temperatures of minus 29, the wind chill pushing it down to minus 46 in some areas today. The cold particularly tough on those working outdoors. Temperatures are expected to warm up to the freezing mark next week. But obviously a very hearty bunch in Prince George, for sure. And one more weather note for you. An avalanche warning is in effect for much of B.C.'s interior. Parks Canada and Avalanche Canada say the snowpack contains a number of weak layers and the weight of new snow is making the area extremely unstable. Anyone heading into the backcountry is being advised to take precautions. North Shore Rescue also tweeting today the avalanche danger at Treeline is high. RCMP used a battering ram to help in their arrest of two women at the Kinder Morgan site in Burnaby. The women are part of a protest trying to stop the construction of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Jordan Armstrong has more on what happened last night and why both sides blame each other for the tension. Stop, you guys! Activists shout as RCMP break down the door of their protest trailer, parked across from Kinder Morgan's Burnaby Terminal for weeks. One demonstrator shoots video from the roof. She's up there because earlier in the day, the city tried to have the camper towed. Last night, we experienced police brutality. We experienced um, big disappointment um, from uh, um, the RCMP in Canada. Shame on all of you and your children! Police say the enforcement part of an obstruction investigation. And these occupants had allegedly obstructed the removal of the illegally parked trailer the previous day. The warrant Mountie showed up with was for an unidentified man and woman believed to be locked inside the trailer. They ended up arresting two elderly women. They took the wrong people. From what we understand right now, uh, they are the correct people. Although the, the information is, has evolved a little bit. The women have been released. No charges yet. RCMP say this level of force was not planned. The activists, they say, initially agreed to come out and talk, but changed their minds. Despite repeated requests uh, by the members to reopen the door, they refused. And the members are forced to uh, force the door. Why didn't the two just come out and talk to the police? Why did they wait for the door to be broken down? Um, because we were, we were ambushed. We were ambushed. There was no way that the RCMP would want to have a conversation. Wednesday night's tension, perhaps a preview of more to come. By daybreak, half a dozen activists were back at the camp, surveying the damage and digging in for a long fight. We have to stop this pipeline. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. A sad note now from the office of Premier John Horgan. He announced his older brother, Pat, passed away of cancer over the weekend. A service for Pat Horgan will be held in his hometown of Port McNeil on February 10th. In lieu of flowers, the Premier's office has asked that people donate to the B.C. Cancer Agency in support of lung cancer research. Pat Horgan was 71. Questions are swirling tonight about who will fill the mayor's chair in Vancouver come October. Yesterday, Gregor Robertson announced he will not seek re-election. Ted Chernecki explains why that leaves the field wide open for a job that's likely to attract a lot of attention. 
So who will it be of those sitting in the grand circle of Vancouver municipal politics? The choice for the next mayor isn't so obvious. Both Andrea Reimer and George Affleck said they're not running. Jeff Meigs is long gone to join the premier. And besides, when it comes to civic politics, anybody can step in. And the outgoing mayor might have already seen the writing on the wall. His vision is probably not doing too well in the polls. You know, their electoral chances are probably somewhere around your ankles right now, you know. So probably why Gregor Robertson decided he wasn't going to run after all. The next mayor really could come from anywhere because civic politics is different in that politicians actually make decisions that affect change. That's a big draw from would-be and even existing politicians at all levels. If you can run that city, if you can really have a huge impact on deciding what those decisions are going to be, that's a bigger deal than being a backbencher in Ottawa or in Victoria. Indeed, that was Robertson languishing as an NDP MLA before becoming mayor. And others like Mike Harcourt, who went the other way. As did Gordon Campbell, who went provincial, and Larry Campbell, who went to the Senate. They have name recognition and a bit of charisma and capacity to convene and mobilize people. Yeah, you can go pretty far in municipal politics. This and other councils have been accused of being at the beck and call of property developers. That could change this time because new election spending rules kick in. For the first time, we have campaign finance legislation that's going to mean that parties are not going to be able to simply turn to big donors uh, to bankroll the entire campaign. So expect the unexpected. It could be an unknown, though charismatic, candidate from the grassroots, or maybe that's Captain Vancouver pointing at you. Ted Chernaki, Global News. I had the chance to sit down with Mayor Robertson this morning to dig a little deeper into his decision to leave. Later on the news hour, what he considers his greatest mistake. More tonight on a story Global News brought you exclusively on last night's news hour, the province's plan to address homelessness in Maple Ridge. That includes new supportive housing and an emergency shelter, but the proposed site isn't sitting so well with neighbors. And what might surprise you is how the homeless feel about it. Jennifer Palmer reports. They moved in, shopping carts, sleeping bags, tarps, you name it. Audrey Lowry is upset over a proposed project that would take shape next door to her senior housing complex. The B.C. government is looking at buying these lots for $3.6 million just off of Lougheed Highway in Maple Ridge. The project would include about 40 new supportive housing units and relocation of up to 40 shelter beds. We're vulnerable here and to have that move in next door frightens us. The area is not suitable, not just for seniors, but uh, school children, high school children. They're not down here, so they don't know what we need. Those living at the Anita Place homeless camp are also upset with the announcement, adding allowing the Salvation Army Rich Meadows Ministries to be the operator is a big mistake. Why don't you put six of us to school to learn how to be counseling? Because who better to counsel the streets than the people from the streets? That's the entry of homelessness, not 40 beds in, in a place where now i got to be a Christian, too. It's a fail to the people, and it's just going to be money spent on, on more. It's wasted money, really, wasted resources. Homeless advocate Chris Bosley, though, says the location is perfect. She lives on Burnett Street, where the shelter site is proposed. It's already um, a well-known spot for homeless people to hang out. Uh, so why not provide them with a place to actually live? For years, the city and province have been trying to find a solution to Maple Ridge's homeless issue. The talks continue. We just learned about the actual property yesterday, so we're still uh, looking into details of the property. We don't have 
uh, all of the information yet. Their lives uh, will be better managed if they have housing. And uh, to remember that uh, um, this housing comes with support services. The province says its Maple Ridge plan also includes new affordable rental housing on Lougheed and to add temporary modular housing. Public information sessions are planned for the end of the month. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Now, the city of Vancouver has made much over the past few years of its efforts to cut its notoriously frustrating red tape. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the people who begin lining up at the crack of dawn every day for development permits say the city still has a long way to go. The lineup starts well before the sun comes up. 6.30. I'm number three. Every day, architects and builders mark their place in line with rolled up drawings, waiting as long as two hours for the doors to open. Get here late, say at 8.30 when the office first opens, the wait can last all day. Uh, so I would say half my day, for sure. Yeah, to make an application seems like a long time. This lineup speaks to a growing concern in the building community about the length of time it takes to get a building project approved. For a company like Taven Construction, the waiting has significant consequences. My company alone's probably got about $60 million worth of construction waiting for permits. The city acknowledges there is a problem. Solutions are in the works. Pre-zoned land, a fast-track lane for reputable builders, and more staff. But bottom line, the volume of projects is simply overwhelming. We've had 24% increase in applications over the past few years, and our staff have only gone up around 5%. Around the region, wait times are getting longer. But according to the Greater Vancouver Home Builders Association, Vancouver lags well behind on some key metrics. The average wait time for a single-family home in Vancouver is 52 weeks. In Coquitlam, it's 15. Surrey, 12. Maple Ridge, 8. And in Langley, just 7 weeks. The wait times are, are reducing the level of activity of our members. So our members could build more uh, actively in the city of Vancouver if... Uh, things were moving quicker. There's no doubt about it. The city is hiring 75 more staff to deal with the backlog. New hires that come with more development charges. The process aims to be quicker, but developers and homeowners will be footing the bill. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A Vancouver animal rescue organization is hoping someone with an empty building will be able to step up and help them out. The Greyhaven Exotic Bird Sanctuary is looking after more than 100 birds, most of them parrots, from a defunct Vancouver Island sanctuary. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, their lease is about to expire. Meet Bob, the Moloccan cockatoo. Do kiss? Yeah, yeah. Meow, we don't bite the microphone, no? No, we don't bite the microphone. Ha, ha, ha. Is that funny? His background, like the other parrots in the care of Greyhaven Exotic Bird Sanctuary, is a mystery. But sometimes the birds themselves reveal clues, like Mary. Heard her say Fred a few times. And so we're starting to suspect that, in fact, Mary is not Mary, you know, is not even a girl, but is, is Fred. They are some of the 584 parrots originally rescued by the World Parrot Refuge on Vancouver Island. When the woman who ran the charity died two years ago, it fell upon the small not-for-profit Greyhaven in Vancouver to take them in. We were basically doing a patchwork quilt of where can we fit these birds. 
In time, they found this space near Cole Harbor and worked out a short-term lease with the owner, who is waiting for a development application to go through. For just over a year, it's been both home and rehabilitation centre for the largest of the remaining parrots. When Lancelot came, he was totally terrified, terrified, and he would just hide in the corner there. But with love and patience, Lancelot is coming around nicely. What he and the others need are forever homes. But right now, the priority is a new temporary one because their lease is up. So we have 95 large parrots that will need a home as of the end of February. It doesn't have to be a long lease, but it does need to be at least 3,000 square feet and zoned to permit this kind of use. And if you have property out there that you want to develop, but it's currently empty, um, it can be an ideal arrangement for you. Slowly but surely they're being adopted to dedicated owners who can give them as much as they give back. There is so much joy in these birds. You can have probably one of the most intense relationships of your life with a parrot. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Still about a month away from the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea, but organizers already have a big hit on their hands. The game's mascot, Surong, a friendly white tiger, has eBay prices soaring and gift shop lineups growing. Bandabi, the Asiatic black bear mascot for the Paralympic Games, is also proving to be very popular. Now, the Canadian Olympic Committee unveiled our men's hockey team today, and even the most avid hockey fan probably won't recognize many of the names. With high-profile NHL players excluded from the games this year, will Canadian enthusiasm for the hockey team suffer? John Waugh reports. Whether it's during the pregame or with friends for a little pickup, every Canadian dreams of being a household name in Olympic hockey. Watching the Olympics will be probably the first time I've ever seen some of those guys play. Some of the bottom D, the last defense names, I didn't recognize at all. And that seems to be the problem. Without NHL superstars, Canada's Olympic men's hockey roster is a little harder to recognize. At the end of the day, these 25 men that are going to represent us are the right players. So what does it take to be a player on Canada's men's Olympic hockey team? Well, it seems like the average age hovers just over 30 years old and NHL experience is a plus with 22 out of the 25 members having it on their resume. And where are they currently playing? Well, you've got 13 players in the KHL in Russia. You've got four playing in the Swiss National League. You've got three players each in the American and Swedish leagues, one out of Germany, and another playing out of Austria. They know that they're going to the games uh, in a year that's very unusual, and they'll have something to prove. Well, Mason Raymond comes in. But even with a couple of ex-Canucks like Mason Raymond, Lyndon Vey, and Maxime Lapierre. This is the red jersey. At sports retailers, it seems the days of numbered Team Canada jerseys are well numbered. Everybody would have wanted Crosby, uh, McDavid. We haven't numbered up hardly any of these ones yet. So with little hype over the men's hockey roster is the excitement for Pyeongchang already petering out. If you don't know the names, I mean, do I want Team Canada to win? Absolutely, but it's not the same. For others, there's still Canada hockey gold to defend. I think if everyone just gets together and supports the logo on the front rather than the name on the back, it uh, shouldn't make a difference. John Hua, Global News. Makes a very good point. Squire Barnes here to talk a little more about uh, today's announcement and the names on it. Mason Raymond was a popular guy when he played here. There's a lot of guys um, 
most of them have NHL experience, and some of them had you know their moments in the NHL. Mason Raymond is well known around these parts. Actually, six former Canucks, mm-hmm. some who didn't play here for very long, and a lot of former Canucks in management on this team as well. The thing about it is, um, I think people will get behind it. Let's face it. Most people don't know who the short track speed skaters are for Canada, Olympic to Olympic. But once they put the jersey on and you're watching, it's like, come on, let's win. And the advantage for these guys is they actually get to practice together before the Olympics. That's right. And, and, And you know the other thing, too, is every country's in the same boat. All the big name countries, big name players are in the NHL and will not be at the Olympics. So Canada has a good chance here. The only thing about this Olympics that's going to maybe keep people from watching a lot of the games is the times of the games are going to be wacky mm-hmm. for over here because it's in South Korea and it's going to be very early in the morning. But I think people will get behind this team. And maybe, who knows, maybe some of these guys will play so well they'll get one more shot in the NHL. And sell a little, few more jerseys. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Put your own name on the Put back. You too can be part of Team Canada. Thanks very much, Squire. Jamaican police and Interpol are investigating the death of a Canadian couple. The bodies of 81-year-old Melbourne Flake and his 70-year-old wife Etta were discovered after construction workers alerted police. Their family believes they were murdered during a robbery. The couple moved to Winnipeg in the 1960s but returned to Jamaica during the winter. This is a wanton act of extreme violence against innocent people that absolutely didn't deserve to be treated like an animal. Global Affairs Canada says it is in contact with Jamaican authorities. All right, here goes. Donald Trump is under fire once again tonight for allegedly using unpresidential language to describe immigrants. And I have to warn you that the language is going to be disturbing for some viewers. During bipartisan negotiations on resolving the fate of young immigrants whose protection from deportation is being phased out, Trump reportedly asked, why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? He then suggested the U.S. instead accept immigrants from nations like Norway. His remarks reportedly left lawmakers taken aback. My apologies to anyone offended by that language. More stunning images coming out of California tonight where the death toll from those deadly mudslides now stands at 17 with eight still missing. As the searches and rescues continue, survivors face a long cleanup and recovery. Turn around! The flash flood's right there! This is the moment. Get out of here! Go! The force of nature arrived. Oh my God, Mom! People think of water like a river. This is a... You wouldn't last two seconds. It's, it's, a, it's a blender of huge 50-foot logs and five-foot-by-five-foot boulders grinding. Somehow, Mark O'Farrell and his family escaped what so many others could not outrun. I don't know how anyone could survive this. After searching for his mom, Josie, Hayden Gower learned her body was recovered overnight. Diane Brewer lost her best friend. I never could imagine such a scene. From above, it looks like a war zone. The Coast Guard plucking families, even pets, where search teams on the ground could not reach them. They've been in the air here now three days, but now no sign of survivors. Just a mud flow from the mountains all the way into the ocean. The shoreline marred with debris. Highway 101 shut down into next week. Hey, Oprah, how are you? Montecito's famous residents grateful for what they still have. 
I am going to do whatever I can for the rest of uh, the community. There's been more than 100 rescues. Inga Gilbar carried out of her home by firefighters when mud poured in. We had no idea what a flash flood was until I saw this torrid, raging river coming down with cars and rocks. Tonight, the mudslide may be over, but so much of what's been carried away will never come back. Back to the departure of Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson for a moment. He sat down with me today to talk more about his decision to step away from politics when his current term ends in October. We talked about a lot of things, including his greatest mistake and criticism from some who say he's stepping down only because the housing crisis makes him unelectable. I absolutely disagree. I think... uh uh, the housing crisis is uh, obviously beyond what uh, here we at City Hall can fix. You know, it was a giant wave that hit Vancouver uh, very fast, faster than any of the other big cities around the world. Properties worth way more than local incomes can afford. People might blame me for that, and uh, in some people's mind that may make it difficult for me to win an election. But I think uh, if, you, if you look at my record and, and my team's record, we've been all over this for years doing everything the city could do to tackle it. And, uh, and we've got a game plan going forward to massively increase the amount of housing that we build in the years to come. What do you think is your greatest mistake? It was, it was more personal, and it was and feeling like I didn't get enough time with my family and mm-hmm. my close friends. Uh, that's been the most difficult part of the, my job and, and my life, is, is having to focus 24-7 on my work as mayor. We should uh, have solved homelessness on the, on the 2015 target um, somehow. Uh, I, I wish we, we could have. It was a frustration that we couldn't get enough support from provincial and federal governments at the time to, to uh, make sure our most vulnerable people had a place to live. Um, I think we're, we're starting to make progress on that. We've got a whole new creative approach with uh, modular housing rolling out this year that, it, that I think will really reduce the numbers on homelessness. But we've been the most aggressive city in Canada on, on trying to solve it. Uh, but we didn't, we didn't solve it on the, on the timeline that I was uh, hoping and the goal that I set when I first ran. Mayor Robertson opened up more about the personal cost of serving three terms, his proudest accomplishment, and surprise, it's not bike lanes, and what he thinks about his nickname, Mayor Moonbeam. The full interview is available online at globalnews.ca slash bc. In health matters tonight, the B.C. Nurses Union says the flu season is overloading many hospital ERs, leaving nurses to cope with major overcrowding. The BCNU says this past weekend, patients at Abbotsford Regional Hospital were facing eight-hour waits to see a doctor. Dozens of patients lined hallways and one was placed in a shower room. The union says some nurses are spending their break, crying from the stress, and they're calling on Fraser Health to address understaffing issues. The scandalous homework assignment that forced a school to send parents a letter of apology. We are committed Coming up right after the forecast, Christy joins us now. I'll never complain about the weather here in the Lower Mainland again after 
Minus 46 with the wind chill up north, Christy. That's right. So that's Whitehorse, uh, BC Peace River this morning. And uh, conditions will continue that way right through the overnight periods tonight. It will be not until tomorrow that things will finally warm up. Now, we talked about earlier the winter storm warning. Metro Vancouver, we're just expecting rain. But there's a chance that some areas, higher elevations, could see some wet snow. But really, the concern, as we mentioned before, is the Fraser Valley. So here's the timeline, because there's a lot of detail here. West Fraser Valley. Abbotsford area. The real concern for you this evening is the freezing rain. We expect it to ease off late this evening. The central and east Fraser Valley, snowfall for you. So you'll see a good 10 centimeters just through the evening hours tonight. Now overnight, it's interesting, we'll see a little bit of a break, although we still have a risk of freezing rain in all of the Fraser Valley. But a little bit of a break overnight. Then another wave moves onshore tomorrow morning, and eastern and central sections could see another wave of 10 centimeters centimeters of snow along with the freezing rain. Those of you in the western sections, Abbotsford area though, by tomorrow morning I expect the temperatures to have warmed up and we're really only expecting rain for your area. So that's for the commute to work tomorrow morning. The main concern is that central and east Fraser Valley. So this is the overall snowfall warnings for the uh, area. 10 to 20 centimeters by sort of noon tomorrow for areas from Chilliwack east all the way through Hope, all the way through the Okanagan, and that includes the mountain passes. Do not head out on the mountain passes until, I would say, probably Saturday, really, late Saturday. Uh, Eastern sections, just two to four. So very slim amounts across the area this evening. It's just on the lower edge. It backs away, and then another wave pushes on shore. That next one, though, will bring in warmer temperatures. So east and central Fraser Valley, you will see temperatures warm up tomorrow afternoon, and it will finally all change to rain for your area. Meanwhile, across the north, it is cold. So minus 46 again tonight, especially in the far north. Temperatures warming up to by minus 36 tomorrow afternoon for you. Meanwhile, the cold continues here. But you can see the snowfall, really just areas from Kelowna south through Soyuz. So another 10 to 20 centimeters possible for you. Most of the south coast rain, except for the east Fraser Valley, tomorrow morning, and then you will see it change to rain. Saturday morning, we will continue with rain drying up later Saturday. Sunday is the day that we can all look forward to. Nice and warm even into Monday, but the rain pushes back in. Happy birthday to Olga Oldenbach, as well as Chanin Kerman. Uh, congratulations to you both, turning 100. And this, from the far north, Inuvik, you can see Jason here, and he said it was minus 42 at the time. Wow, great shot. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christy. Well, a private school in Milwaukee has been forced to send a letter of apology to parents after fourth graders were sent home with a what-were-they-thinking kind of homework assignment. Know that this has to be going on, not just in Milwaukee, but all over. The assignment asks students to list three bad reasons for slavery and three good reasons. Tramica Brownberry's son had the right answer, writing, I feel there is no good reason for slavery. The school has issued a statement saying the purpose of the assignment was not to have students argue that slavery is in any way acceptable, but the assignment is no longer part of their curriculum. Hmm. A Virginia man has become a viral video star for his heroic efforts to stay upright when it looked like all hope was lost. Tim Bessaker discovered too late that his driveway was sheer ice. His security camera capturing his helpless slide down the driveway... (laughs) 
trying to maintain balance until he finally bails out onto the lawn. Even more impressive, he hangs onto both his briefcase and the backpack before the ride ends in the end. He was not hurt. Good thing he didn't end up out on the street. I was going to say, good thing he didn't land in the the driveway. Right. (laughs) Squire's back with sports and some Olympic dreams that might come true. Well, and for guys who probably never thought they'd have a shot at the Olympics and then things change with the NHL not going, and here they are. And one of them is former Vancouver Giants star Gilbert Brule, one of a lot of former NHLers who are going to be playing for Canada at next month's Olympic hockey tournament. He's one of three BC boys in the team. I know he was born in Edmonton, but he was raised here. Uh, Vancouver's Stefan Elliott, Vernon's Andrew Ebbett are the other BCers. It's an older team. The average age is just over 31, which is around three years older than the oldest NHL team right now, which is Detroit. Canada decided to go with veterans, all of whom now play in European leagues, and players who, because they are no longer NHLers, really wanted to be in the Olympics. They wanted one more time on a big stage. There's reasons for them to quit. There's reasons for them to say, no, that's enough. I've, I've had enough. But they have a dream of playing and representing their country, lots of them. And for some guys, that's the only reason they played this year. And I think that's pretty special. Like, if I was a Canadian, I would, I would appreciate that they've taken their family, some to Europe, you know, where... Not, not the greatest, no family around, just so they could be part of this team. So I respect that, and I'm sure a lot of other Canadians would as well. Six former Canucks, as we mentioned. Mason Raymond, who played 374 regular season games. Oh, nice spinorama move. He'll be on the team. Max Lafayette, remember this, Game 5, Stanley Cup Final. It was he who scored the only goal in that game. I like Lafayette being on that team. He's a feisty guy. Lyndon Vay. An old favorite of Willie Desjardins was here when Desjardins was coaching the Canucks. Also a Madison Hat guy. There's Andrew Ebbett, the Vernon boy, who played 46 games here with Vancouver. Uh, Marc-Andre Grandiani didn't play a lot with the Canucks. Only one season in 14 games. And Derek Roy had a lot of good years in the NHL, but with the Canucks only 12 games. But he is also going to be wearing the Team Canada jersey. Brandon Sutter, remember him? Uh, he is with the Canucks on their long road trip, and he might be able to play Sunday's game in Minnesota. He has missed 20 with a groin injury, hasn't played since late November. Uh, the Canucks 5-12-3 without him in the lineup. Chris Tanev, though, could play tomorrow in Columbus. Okay, Cavs-Raptors, this one going on in T.O. Raptors have only lost twice at home, although this week they lost to Miami, barely. DeMar DeRozan. Averaging 33.4 points per game this month. Fred Van Vliet. Nice play. 30-24 Toronto after one. Raptors were big in the second half. Pascal Siakwam. Toronto 96-65 in the third over LeBron James and the Cavs. The uh, Canadian Figure Skating Championships are going on right now at UBC. Olympic spots are on the line this week. Richmond's Sarah Tamura is hoping to be one of those skaters who goes to South Korea. If she does well this week, she'll get her ticket to Pyeongchang. This combination, triple lutz, triple toe. She won't turn 17 until later this month, but this weekend could be a life changer for Sarah Tamura. If she can finish in the top three at the Canadian Figure Skating Championships, she'll earn a spot on Canada's Olympic team in Pyeongchang. Yeah, you know, I'm really close. Um, 
I worked really hard coming up to this point, and I just want to, you know, have no regrets after this competition. I'm be proud of myself, whatever happens. That sounds like a chill teenage attitude, but don't let that fool you. To skate at this level, there's got to be passion and dedication, and Sarah's got all of that and more. She's uh, very fiery. Um, she can be quite strong in the moment, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't count her out. Sarah's had a roller coaster season, knowing she's got to up her game in an Olympic year, but also dealing with a growth spurt, which can be a major challenge in a sport like figure skating. This year she's gone through, you know, a growth uh, spurt, more from a girl into a young woman. And so I think it's affected her technique a little bit. I'm still growing as a skater, but um, I think I'm learning and um, I'm becoming more mature in my skating and I hope I can show that at the Nationals. She is starting to find her groove and with family and friends cheering her on in Vancouver, it would be the perfect setting to achieve that Olympic dream. My parents have done a lot for me, um, especially moving from Richmond all the way to Burnaby. Um, and I just want to, you know, kind of thank them by skating really well at the competition and by working really hard. The Lady Short program goes Friday, the long program Saturday at the Doug Mitchell Arena at UBC. All right, Canada's Michael Kingsbury, nice music, made World Cup history last night, 12th straight win in a World Cup event, 47th career win. That breaks a record held by American women Hannah Kearney and Donna Weinbrecht. The last time he didn't win a medal in Moguls at a World Cup event was last January. He is the overwhelming favorite to win gold in the Olympics next month. There you go. Pretty good run. Don't know how their knees stand up to the punishment. Yeah, eventually your knees end up somewhere by your ribs at the end of your career. (laughs) That's right. Here's today's snow report. More fresh snow across southern B.C. last night and over the next 24 hours as well. Whistler Blackcomb checking in with a 186-centimeter base. Grouse, 228. Cypress, 250. Sasquatch, 234. Revelstoke, a base of 182. Manning Park, 128. And Powder King, 183 centimeters. Big White, the base 180, Silver Star 171, Sun Peaks 141, 147 centimeter base at Apex. Coming up on ET Canada, it's Hugh Squared, Hugh Grant and Hugh Bonneville, the human stars from Paddington 2, plus the list of Hollywood movies that have been scrapped or heavily edited since the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke. That is all coming up at 7 right after the news hour, but for now, it's back to you, Chris. All right, thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, it's called Fat Bike Joring. What is it? Well, that sounds like a nice thing to tell. Say to <laughs> like not boring joring. Joring. Uh, it's the winter version of ski joring. Naturally, Global's Shelly Steves met up with some New Brunswick women who just can't get enough of it. If you love winter and dogs that need to blow off some steam, this just might be the sport for you. You need a bike. You need a good fitting pulling harness and a bungee line and you're good to go. Allison Mitten and three adventurous friends from Sussex recently launched the region's very first fat bike joring club. And just like the dogs, it's really taking off. There's no off switch. Even after running five or six miles, they'll just have a nap in the car and they'll go again. Big, small, the girls say any dog could be a fat bike mushing dog as long as they have the drive to run. It's completely natural, so we allow them. Now some are a little more obsessive than others. Take Spider and Mila, for example. <laughs> they were holy tears at home. 
they were epic failures in the obedience class, and they kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And and uh, one of the trainers said to me, "I don't know what to do with them." And I said, "Well, I do. I'm going to hook them up and let them pull." <laughs> now they and all the dogs peel through the snow like someone's holding a stake at the end of the trail. The look on their and their owners' faces, pure joy. I know she took a little spill there. <laughs> Yeah, um, the fat bike is kind of tricky because you have to play around with the tire pressure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pressure, of course, the women insisted I give it a go. Want them to okay. take off? It's hike. Hike! <laughs> it is indeed quite the rush. Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, easy, easy! I can't believe I'm doing this! But just a few strides in, and I can definitely understand why they're hooked. <laughs> this is awesome! Shelly Steves, Global News, Sussex.